Mom to Mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. Ladies, I know it can be a big challenge coming up with healthy meals for your family day after day, but we all want our families to be as healthy as they can be, right? I'm sure you do. Food has a huge impact on maintaining our health because it gives us the energy to tackle all the tasks that we have to deal with every day. I mean, it's tough, yes, but it's certainly not impossible to make healthy choices. And I'm sure many of you are doing it successfully. I know it is easy to feel guilty and anxious about what you're eating and feeding your family, and we certainly don't want this episode to put any more pressure on you than you might be putting on yourself. But it's really important. Food plays a huge role in maintaining our health and the health of our family. So let's dive in and chat about the proactive things we can start to do to eat healthier. By the way, healthy meals are not boring meals. All it takes is a little planning. So September, we'll start with you since you've got 10 kids at home, not to mention grandchildren and, you know, the grown ones and their spouses. But what's the primary benefit, do you think, that your family gets from eating healthy, thought through meals? Well, I thought about this, Kate, a lot because you used the word primary. I'm thinking, does that mean one? Do I have to give one answer? But I think that for me, watching the primary benefit long term has been watching my children now see and know the benefits and reciprocate that in their families as they now are raising their families. We don't always see the benefit. We know the benefits, but we don't always see the benefits. I've seen many short-term benefits when it comes to our health and our budget and our time and all the fuss and all of those things. But I think creating good habits is my top primary benefit. I've seen all of my kids go through a junk food stage, you know, probably... 16 to 19. And then all of a sudden when they're 20, they like start talking about all the things that you talked about as if it's new to them. So it's a very interesting, very interesting journey. What about you, Jamie? Well, I mean, everything that September just said, I I could wholeheartedly clap for. Definitely budget plays a big, big role for me because I am on a limited budget. And to be quite honest, a lot of times prepackaged food is cheaper than, you know, homemade or organic. And so I've had to find, you know, really creative ways. It does take a little intentional effort. But once you put some systems in place and you learn some tricks and tips, then you can feel free to leave the prepackaged things behind in the grocery store. Amen. Well, Jamie, speaking of tips and tricks, I know you have some to share. So maybe even some shortcuts that can make healthy meal planning easier for our listeners. So you girls, if you've got a couple, just share them and we'll put some extra in the show notes. Well, I highly recommend everybody going back and listening to episode 12 if you haven't already. That was a whole hour of meal planning hacks that we shared for the busy mom. And we might do some repetition here, but I was thinking through this, Kate, and I think a few things that I've been implementing really recently is I have a list, a mega list of all of the main meals that I make. And I continue to add to it as I you know, find a new recipe that my family likes. But it, I don't think it's enough just to have a list. I think what has really helped me is to divide that list into categories that make sense to me. Because half the battle in making real food 
is coming up with the idea of what you're going to make. I think that's half my trouble. So when I make my list, I actually divide it into different categories. Sometimes it's divided into the type of meat that it's made from because I want to see, oh, I have a lot of chicken. It was on sale. What can I make this week with a lot of chicken? At times, I've divided it seasonally because in summer, I don't want to be making a big, thick pot roast with all the the veggies. That's just too hot. I'd rather cook on the grill or make something cold, you know, a picnic lunch or whatever. So to divide that list up seasonally has helped. I also think it's helpful to divide it into the length of time that it would take to make those meals. Or if nothing else, pull out maybe five quick fix meal ideas and have those always at the front of that list so that when the day goes south or goes awry, you know that you have a couple of quick, easy, fast meals that are not fast food. Additionally, I think what has helped me to save money in the slow food vein is to fix it once and serve it twice. And we talked about this, I think, on the meal planning hack um, episode, but to just double the, the recipe Make two casseroles instead of one. When you're when you're going to make that casserole anyway, make two, eat one that evening, and then put the other away in the freezer so that on those nights when you have like a soccer game until five o'clock and you're getting home and everyone's hungry, instead of pulling over to McDonald's and grabbing a hamburger, you know, oh, I have a freezer meal that I can just toss in the oven really quick. And so that becomes our fast food around here. And then recently, my husband and I have really gotten into buying discount meat at the grocery store. They always pull out the meat that is, you know, nearly expired, but not quite. And if you have a good size freezer, you can buy meat that is, you know, four or five days and then it will expire, those types of meat, and throw it in your freezer and it's still good. And oftentimes it's like half the price. Hmm. Well, one thing I saw this on Instagram and it made a lot of sense to me. A gal had a chicken that she roasted, or I guess she could get a rotisserie chicken, and she was able to use it for meals. I don't think she'd do the whole week, but several days where you roast the chicken, you have it that night, you take all the meat that's left and, you know, separate that. And then you make chicken soup with the bones. You make some chicken salad with that meat. You can take, cook one thing, but like you're saying, Jamie, make, make one thing and serve it twice. You can do more with just a plain chicken than you can do with a lot of other things. You can get more than one meal out of it. So I like that. I think going to the farmer's market can be great. If you have one around you, we have one and I can get eggs there cheaper than the grocery store. I mean, it depends. Our area has a lot of smaller farms that bring their stuff. And so you kind of have to compare prices, but at least you know that what you're buying for the most part is is clean. You know, it's less pesticides and all that because it doesn't have to travel. They just bring it from their farm. So I think if you have a farmer's market near you, they can be a great resource and for things you're not going to find in the grocery store. So that's another thought. I think, too, if you don't live near a place that has a great farmer's market or even a whole food store, and that and that was us for you know the first 13 years of our marriage, I often ordered from Azure Standard because it was a wholesale bulk buying kind of organization that you would order. I ordered it online. They delivered it by truck to a um, parking lot near me. It was actually at a church and it was a Whole Foods organization, kind of like a co-op. And I could order bulk grains, bulk veggies, bulk clean items that were kind of hard for me to get in my small town or they were astronomically priced in my small town. And to your point, Kate, about the chickens, 
Every month, I make three whole chickens in one night. And actually, tomorrow is my chicken baking night. But I just bake them up. We eat one of them or maybe half of one that evening with some veggies. And then I spend about an hour right after dinner just shredding the chicken to bag up into like, you know, two cups worth of chicken in a bag usually can be tossed together in soup or casseroles or tacos or whatever. And all the meat is made. And I think that that is another part of the battle of eating whole foods is that, you know, the prep work takes so long. So if you can think of ways to shave off some of the prep time, you will be more apt to cook at home real food because half the work would have been done already. Yeah. And thinking it through too, you know, on Monday, I like to try to think, okay, what are the days we're out? What are the days we're having our home group? What nights is it just Mike and I and kind of think through what do I need to take out of the freezer? How do I, you know, get everything? Just sort of think it through. What veggies do I need to buy? And that kind of thing. So it's easier for me probably because I'm, it's just Mike and I, unless we're having people over. So I don't have to do all the planning, but I think having some kind of plan in your mind, some sort of thought coming up with a list, you know, on the weekend, maybe the things that you would like to make that week. Right. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a day by day plan. I I like to be really spontaneous. And maybe if you if I planned out on Monday, I'm going to eat, make Swedish meatballs. Well, then Monday comes around and I don't want to eat Swedish meatballs. Just make up a list of seven, you know, dinners, seven lunches, seven breakfasts, and then mix and match as you as you know, your taste changes throughout the week. You don't necessarily have to assign a day. That seems really restrictive. Yeah, we do that. We do that at our house. So I know I have options. So when I buy my groceries, whether I buy in bulk or plan, and then whatever I have, then I base options and I put the options up. So like three options for, you know, five dinner options and we can choose five, even snacks. I do this with snacks. So when the kids look at the the sheet I printed up for the week, these are your options for snacks this week. You pick, you know, one of the things. Um, it doesn't, you don't necessarily have to have protein balls because I made protein balls on Monday. You can have Wednesday and have something else. So I, for me, one of the biggest, especially with the big family tips that I could give women once they get in a good routine of what they like, where to buy their food, things like that, is to stick, all you really need are basic ingredients. Like there are really a core, probably 10 ingredients that I always have on hand. And I keep a good tally of what those are, whether it's, you know, organic quick oats or gluten-free oats. So usually like oats or rice and my chicken. And, and if I have those things, I can do just about anything with those. And then if I make a quick stop at the grocery store or a farmer's market or someplace, uh, or my husband's coming home from work and I want him to get those fresh ingredients to complement what I'm making. That's very time-saving for me. Mm-hmm. I think basically to sum up what we're saying is having a plan in place, you know, like September is saying, have a plan for your pantry staples. A plan ensures that in those harried moments, you're not just reaching for something fast and quick because it's the fast, quick, and easy that's often not healthy. You can make it faster and quick for yourself by planning ahead, but it's not the easy prepackaged fast and quick. True. It's not. And there may be times, I don't want anybody to feel guilty. There is going to be that time you're going to stop stop at McDonald's because that's 
all that there's time for. But I, I mean, I think we all realize we don't want that to be the the typical, you know, food of the week. I mean, there, you know, we go to Chick-fil-A or whatever, which actually I like Chick-fil-A, but you know, there's nothing wrong with going out to eat and indulging, having fun once in a while. It's just when it becomes the daily thing. Well, the Bible has lots to say about self-control because I know for me, sugar is my nemesis and I can very quickly overindulge in that. I have to just be really careful. I have to remember that you know, my body is the Lord's temple. But again, it's easy to get legalistic about food, about eating, about should I be a vegetarian or vegan or this, and what does scripture say on all this? So if you guys have any thoughts about what scripture teaches us about just the value of our body. Yeah, it definitely speaks to self-control. You know, when you're saying this, I'm reminded of a tweet that I saw just this week from a a rather famous shock jock type of Christian, and I'm not even going to Uh, throw the name in there. But this person was saying that obesity is a sin. But the Bible actually never calls obesity a sin. It's often a byproduct of sin, you know, a byproduct of gluttony, maybe laziness, lack of self-control. But it can also be a byproduct of other things like hormone issues or thyroid issues, body genetics. I think we have to be really careful in how we frame things and how we name things. Um, because obesity is not the sin. No, you're right. I know that social media, like you just mentioned, Jamie, you saw somebody online. It really can influence a lot of moms about healthy eating. Some moms are just so into, you know, um, organic and homesteading and raw milk and, you know, all this stuff, which is all great. Others aren't able to do that or they're gourmet cooks. And the stuff that they show you is you just think, wow, that is awesome, but I could never do that. So how do you think that social media is affecting just the conversation about food among Christians particularly? I feel that social media is great for two things. inspiration and direction, but that person is not going to be in your kitchen when you come home with all of this expensive ingredients and you need all the special tools and the, and you have kids running around and they are not going to show you how to whip that thing up in 20 minutes, like they say the recipe says. So, you know, I say use it for what it is, inspiration and direction, and then break it into small steps and maybe pick a time where you have a little time to focus on that one thing. But, you know, it's not realistic, 100%. It, it really is great for just those two things to me. I think with all things, sometimes it feels like a help and sometimes it feels like a hindrance. I think we have to be really intentional to follow accounts who are exhorting and provoking us to good works. Um, Hebrews ten twenty four says, that we're to to draw each other to love and good works. And that's not a bad thing. I think those women who are showing us the way to good, healthy eating habits by maybe walking out their choices online, they shouldn't be written off. I think it's really easy to say, oh, they're they're just real fake and nobody can live up to that. I don't think we have to necessarily write them off. I think that there's wisdom um, there. We don't have to feel so threatened. I know that sometimes it's really easy to feel threatened, but I think that we can start looking at those opportunities as a gift, let's not just immediately jump to offense or even to feeling shame about what we're doing. I think it's an opportunity to be teachable. Yeah. And I think online, there are a lot of people that are doing some interesting things with food. You know, you'll go through Instagram and if you find somebody and you like what they're doing, I especially love the ones where they show you exactly, you know, real fast on a reel, we do this, 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 and I go, oh, that doesn't look hard. And I save it. Or I might start following that person because it just makes sense what they're doing. I realize I can do that too. So I'll go through, maybe find them, uh, you know, if they have a cookbook or they have a website, 
And I've gotten lots of great recipes doing that that are not difficult. I mean, you guys know I love to cook. So, you know, I can sometimes take a what would be, you know, a bigger hill to climb for for a mom with six kids. But for me, I have the time. I can make that, you know, crazy complex thing. But that for me, that's fun. So it's not a challenge. But find those people online that inspire you, that make you think, wow, if she's doing that, that doesn't look that hard. And there are, there are lots of them out there. Just watch your Instagram for 20 minutes and you'll find a bunch of them will zip by. But as September said, be willing to to say, that's really great for her, but I'm not her and this is not my moment to do that and be okay with that. I got a text message from my 17-year-old last night. It was just two simple words. Made it. You see, he was driving to youth group and, and there was a little dusting of snow on the roads and although the winds weren't too bad, he knew that I'm always nervous for him when he drives on winter streets. I didn't ask him to text me, mind you, but he just knew that my mama heart would appreciate the quick message letting me know that he and his younger brother had made it to youth group safely. And he was right. But not only was that message declaring he was physically safe, it was also a reminder to me that he was emotionally and spiritually safe. Why? Because he sent the text from a gab phone. A cell phone that looks and feels like the smartphone that all of his friends have, but that isn't connected to the internet in any way. Whenever my son leaves the house, I can breathe a sigh of relief knowing that I can get a hold of him, but that the cyber bullies, predators, and shady back alleys of social media cannot. He can call text and take pictures, but that's about it. In fact, he can't even participate in a group text thread. And if you've ever seen what happens in the average teen text thread, you know what a gift a one person at a time text service can be in the life of a tween or teen. To learn more or to snag a Gab phone or watch for your tween or teen, head to gabwireless.com and use promo code mom to mom at checkout. That's Gab, G-A-B-B, wireless.com, and use promo code M-O-M-T-O-M-O-M at checkout. Well, you know, we talked a little bit about eating clean. Now, for my husband and I, we've been involved in the health field for a long time. So I've been conscious about what I eat, the water I drink, all that stuff for quite a while now. So to me, you know, I just have a certain standard that I try to maintain. But, well, my husband and I know well the consequences of poor food changes, of continually eating the wrong things, you know, the, the bad things, the things that you know, like too much sugar for me. So how do you girls feel about like trying to eat clean, you know, or organic versus conventional? I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? I feel like it's a journey, Kate. I mean, I feel like I've, I've run the gamut of both. Uh, and I've landed at a nice place for us right now. And uh, some of those things that affected my decisions were research and study. I feel like if you have a family, you should be studying food. You should be studying how it affects your body. It's just part of our responsibility as part of the heads of our home, you know, to know what we're feeding our families. Um, and the only person who can do that is you, like for yourself and your family. Uh, I think another thing is budget. You know, there have been times I haven't been able to afford to do the very things I knew and wanted. So I picked what's, you know, it's good, better, best. I pick what was good. And then I think sometimes, you know, my time investment, I had to consider sometimes um, when I knew 
that I had to invest a lot of time in something else than something else would give. And it would be, you know, choosing the best food or the best organic options. So uh, for me, it's just, I, I had to find a good balance with a large family and allergies and all those things. But those three things were my deciding factors over the years. And I think we've landed in a good place. But the top thing I think we can do, whether budget, time, or resources is to educate our families, to teach them why, you know, not just the the food police. I, I like to call it, I'm not the food police. Like, don't eat that. Don't eat that. Why are you eating that? You know, that's bad for you. I feel like we can easily fall into that trap as moms, but I wanted my kids to know why, you know, we're not going to have anything in our home other than water and maybe some lemons in our water. We don't buy juices and sodas and why, why did, why did I tell them, you know, because there's dyes and lots of sugars and you know, we're going to use lemons and natural flavoring. I wanted like, as I'm making these decisions and telling my kids, because I don't want it to become a legalistic thing. I agree. September. I, I think the, the word you used was, you know, finding a good balance for yourself. I think it, the 80, 20 rule often applies when you're thinking about food. Um, I do my best to limit processed food and, and junk, mostly because I know my kids are getting it elsewhere. You know, when they go to church youth group, they're going to have pop. They're going to have chips that I maybe a brand I would never buy. They're going to have chocolate when they go to the friend's house or grandparents' house. So I feel like to the best of my ability, I want to be serving them healthy things because I know that they're getting all the junk elsewhere. I think we we most definitely should seek to be good stewards of our bodies. But I guess I'd like to flip the script for a second and point out another area of the clean food craze that has sometimes rubbed me the wrong way. Because I think sometimes in our effort to be good stewards, which which is a good and wholesome goal, I think Christians can sometimes take clean eating to a very unhealthy and even sinful degree when we make it an idol or even a stumbling block in a relationship. When we kind of quietly judge a mom for what she's packed her kids for lunch versus what we packed our kids, when we refuse to eat what others have made and are serving us because, you know, we have these clean eating standards that that, you know, particular dish doesn't meet. When we obsess over our diets or over our kids' diets, we're basically showing misaligned priorities. And I think that we would do well to remember that our relationships with people matter so much more than, you know, what is dished up on our plate. That's not to... That's not a call for gluttony. It's certainly, you know, we're called to be self-controlled. I just think that sometimes we can take anything and everything, including eating clean, to an unhealthy, almost idle extent. Well, what Paul says in Romans 14, 2 and 3, he says, one person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Not that I'm saying that vegetarians are weak, but let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. Like to your point, Jamie, about, you know, I can't eat, going to my friend's house, or I can't eat that because they didn't buy it, you know, from the farmer's market. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats for God has welcomed him. So it's again, just like we judge each other in our appearance. We have to stop doing it with our food because they're still a good mother, even if they give their kids, you know, chips from time to time. So what about this scenario, just to change things up a little bit? Say you're doing all you can to make healthy choices for your family. You're really trying, but maybe your spouse doesn't feel the same way that you do. Maybe he's buying some of those overprocessed snacks and drinks, and it just feels like it's sabotaging your good intentions because you're really trying to do a good job. 
So let's say you've given your kids maybe apples and bananas for a snack, but he comes home with a bag of Oreos. And of course, what are the kids going to want to eat? They're going to want to eat what daddy brought home, you know, something or chips or whatever it was. So what do moms do when that happens? If one spouse is really on the healthy, clean eating train and the other spouse just is not. Well, welcome to my home, Kate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and welcome to my home, Kate. <laughs> yeah, I think that that, you know, anytime you put two people together, they both have an opinion about um, this or that. And I think actually, because as a mom, I'm the primary meal server and maker and provider, and I'm the one who's you know, investigating and learning and researching about good nutrition and healthy meal habits. I cannot, you know, be dismissive or judgmental against my husband who maybe hasn't had the time or has spent the time to do some of the research. So I certainly can't be upset at him for that. And I don't know saying that this is what every woman needs to do. This is what I have sort of landed on. And if it's helpful for any woman to hear this, I hold it out to whoever it might be helpful for. I've just let it go. I'm going to do my very best to serve clean meals to my family, knowing that's in my control. And then should my husband, like happen today, bring home Coca-Cola and Barks, which I I never buy pop, mostly because I just don't like it. So I don't even think to buy it. If we have pop in the house, it's because dad brought pop to the house. I could sit here and get bitter about that and feel like he's negating all my efforts and sabotaging my plan. Or I can just say, well, that's kind of fun for the kids to have a pop every once in a while because I know I'm not serving it. And I've just decided I'm going to let it go. That's wisdom, Jamie. Yeah. What do you think, September? I agree. I had, it took me a long time to come to that though. I'll tell you, honestly, it took me a long time to not become very upset about it. But that's my personality because I was putting so much time in my mind. I was putting so much time. But another thing that um, helped in our home was I would sit down with Dan and we would talk about a healthy balance in that. So, you know, I'd say something like, I don't mind you doing the treats for the kids. They think you're the fun dad when you're out and you buy them a treat or bring something home. But can we have like a limit? Can it be just on Friday nights? Or can you not give it to them before dinner? Or can you save it for weekends or something like that? And you're like, yeah, sure. I never thought about it that way. And a lot of times that's really the case. They just don't think about the things we're thinking about. Yeah, that's so true, September. And I think sometimes we don't give our husbands enough credit. If we just sat down and explained, like, this is this is actually why I I do it this way. They're usually more than apt and and more than willing to, you know, say, sure, I can just serve it on the weekends or just for special occasions or whatever. I think, too, for for grandparents, even we have to be careful. It's easy. My grandkids come over. They're coming. You know, they'll come to make cookies or do whatever. And I will just way overindulge them unless I kind of stop myself. I have to discipline myself because, you know, I don't see them all the time. So I want to be, you know, the grandma they love to come see because I'm the one who gives them candy. No, not really. But, you know, I want to you just don't get that chance to see them. But I will often check with my daughter first to say, listen, here's what I'm planning. Is that okay?" And she'll say whether it is or, you know, I don't want don't give them that. However, she whatever guidance she gives me, I try to respect and do that, because sometimes sometimes grandparents can be the culprit, not necessarily just the spouse, but we can be the ones, too. So we have to be measured as grandmothers, you know, to just not not overindulge. Can I just interject from the perspective of a daughter-in-law whose mother-in-law um, loves to serve treats 
Um, we've been over to her house since she served us pie for breakfast. I'm of the mind that what makes grandparents magical. That's what makes the grandkids want to go and, you know, hang out with grandma and grandpa because it is so different. It's not the norm. It is an anomaly to what they normally do at home. So if you're a daughter-in-law and you're getting super anxious or upset at, you know, your mother-in-law or even your mother for giving extra special treats to your kids, things that you would never let them have, maybe things that they never let you have when you were that age living with them. I would just say shake it off. That's what makes grandparents magical. So let them serve two helpings of apple pie if mm. that's what they want This is do. why I love our conversations because it's so, I agree with both of you. I'm on both ends of the spectrum. So I love that. I'm so glad we had that part of that discussion. Well, is there any one tip you all want to leave the ladies listening today? Just just maybe maybe something we haven't touched on yet. Just feel free to throw some of it out there. Mm. I think in my journey of healthy eating and for myself and for my family and for anyone that wants to do better, like who doesn't want to do better? I would recommend um, trying one thing at a time. That's always my top tip for healthy, healthy eating. It will end up being a new daily pattern and you stop thinking about it and then you take on something new instead of just trying to be, you know, a clean eater across the board tomorrow. Like I do not recommend that. That's my top tip. Pick one thing, whether it's making kefir. I'm going to do this for three months. See how I do. If I don't like it, I'm not going to do it. Like pick one thing. Okay. So I'm going to come back at you, September. Do you have a one thing that you're doing right now? I want to start sourdough. We've had this discussion many times. I've done actually a lot of everything. If you could think of one healthy eating, clean eating, organic, homemade thing, I have probably done it in all the years. And the worst thing is, and this is why I'm passionate about this topic, I did it all when my kids were young. I did all of it to the point of stress. Like, and my kids were all little and I, and I've taught my girls how to do it and I see them all doing it. And we got it done and I learned a lot. My kids ate well and we we're healthy, but it came with a cost. And no one ever said to me, just do one thing at a time. No, don't read me your pantry and mm-hmm. make all your spices and make your bread and do your juicing and your canning and the I like, I wish someone had just said to me, just pick one thing and try it. Well, I think that's the trap we fall into at the beginning of the year. You know, it's January. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to eat healthy, you know, all these things. And you're right. Just, just pick one, but do it. Try to do it faithfully. You know, try to really, if you're going to start working out, work out, you know, just go do it. But otherwise you're going to lay all this burden on yourself and just feel guilty that, well, there we go again. I'm, I didn't do it again this year. Take one thing and get get successful at that and then add another one. Yeah, I think like we said at the very beginning, we need to be teachable as moms and wives. We need to be teachable, willing to learn new skills and not that those skills will always stick. Maybe they're just for that one season, but that, you know, Rome was not built in a day. So we cannot put all the pressure on ourselves to, you know, all of a sudden do a complete 180 in our eating habits But if we can make some small incremental changes and be constantly learning and growing. Um, So sourdough is on my list this year too, September. I have been given a sourdough starter three different times in my adult life. And the first two times, you know, I stuck with it for a little while, but it just felt overwhelming. It kind of made me feel like the the Amish friendship bread. Like this is a part-time job. (laughs) 
that I have to keep, I have to actually nurture this sourdough starter better than I cared for my infant child at times. That's, that's at least how I felt. But I am to a different season. I'm in a different season now. And I, I was given a sourdough starter a while ago and I've kept it up. I've really enjoyed it and I've always enjoyed making bread, but I'm learning different uses for it. And it's become more of a growing of me. And so hopefully this new year, that that's my goal is to continue to learn and grow, learn and grow right alongside my sourdough. My husband wants to make bread. So he needs, we, we have not yet jumped on the sourdough train because he knows it is involved. So let me know how it works for you and I'll see if I can talk him into it. I think my one little tip that I would love to leave moms if they're listening, you know, we all want to choose good foods. We want foods that are filling and nourishing, um, ones that fuel us. But we should go back to the why. Is it to, you know, have the perfect figure? Is it to impress our friends at the picnic play date? What we really should be focusing on is, Lord, I, I want to learn how to eat well and cook healthy, nourishing meals in order that I can do exactly what you've called me to do. Help me to be physically able to do what you've put in front of me. And part of that comes by making good food choices. I, I don't want to obey with um, my food choices because of pressure to lose weight or social pressures or the lo- latest food craze. I want to make healthy food choices because I want to be physically able to do all that you've put in front of me to do. Exactly, Jamie. That that should be our focus, I think, above all. Well, we have had a great conversation today about all these things, healthy eating and meal planning. And I'm sure that we all realize how important food is to our health. I hope you heard some great tips and shortcuts to make your meal planning and your food choices easier. And again, go back to episode 12 to get even more than we talked about today. And if you have any tips or advice that can help other moms, please feel free to leave us a comment. We would love to hear what you have to say. But as always, we really appreciate that you're taking the time to tune into the Mom to Mom podcast. We realize you have dozens of choices of podcasts to listen to, and we're very grateful you chose to join us today. We would love to meet you on Instagram or Facebook, so feel free to follow us there. And we'd be deeply grateful if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify and shared our podcast with other moms you know would love to join us. All right, ladies, till next time.